All right. Uh, you know, there's going to be people who are going to be. All right, Lance, stop it. Let that Cut play. it off. He doesn't listen to you. See that? You're not the boss of this show. Anyhow. <laughs> it's still playing. You can listen to this this show and you're when you're listening to it in the pocket. You're not going to hear what I just heard. So I'll make it I'll make it very short. I'll it's make it very short. Song ever. Lance Kennedy, who's our technical director, is awesome. And does a fine way. job and and yes is is awesome. Uh I, well, and actually Lance and I worked together for a long time. He was I'm sorry, the first Lance. Te- technical director I had. But and for some reason Lance has decided that he's going to listen to Barker's Taste in Music. And basically what we've been getting lately is a bunch of, you know, hayseed country music, you know, people marrying their cousins and stuff like that. And it's just, don't it's be, kinda, Don't be rude. Wow. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean there's a, not a group of people who do enjoy it. Uh, okay, that's fine. Anyhow. Fine way to start what is the final show of Blair and Barker. It's the best way to start. It's the best way to start. Not the final, final, final show ever. Oh, by the way, can I tell them what's going to be on when we're not, uh, I can? Okay. Okay, so I, I can tell folks what, uh, anyhow, I'll tell you what's going to happen. As I mentioned, if you're listening in the radio, um, we are going to be off the radio station for a while as part of our winter break. What we will be doing is we will be doing a weekly podcast, and we'll be we'll be plopping in from ten to twelve during the winter meetings. You know, whenever there's any breaking news or anything like that, you'll hear Barker and myself talking about that. There'd be some online stuff involved in all this, and basically, once spring training rolls around, we'll be back in the air from ten to twelve uh, during spring training, and then during the baseball season, we'll be on from five to seven once. Hockey wraps up. We'll be on from five to seven, just as we were this year. But we'll be doing the Jays post game show, Blue Jays talk, all year long. So that's the uh, the layout of what our winter's going to look like and what next year's going to look like. And in our absence, Smith and Jones will be in the air from ten to noon Eastern. So there, I've got that managed well done to, to explain all that. Good job. Because I've been explaining it a couple of times in social media now, but I figured I would do it here. Uh, so this is the last Blair and Barker for uh, a while. I think the winter meetings are like the, they start the 5th of December. And if the winter meetings are held. Don't say that. Well, they may not because of the labor situation, but we'll be on from 10 to 12 during the winter. Anyhow, you'll hear us. Don't worry about it. As this is the final show before our break we are throwing open the phone lines to you our listeners and the numbers as always are 416-870-0590 star 591 888 and i want to turn this into kind of a look ahead into the off season and we're particularly interested in your wants as a blue jays fan your wants your needs your desires jeff passon will join us We'll wrap up the season, look ahead to the offseason. Joe Sclafani, who's the assistant director of player development with the Toronto Blue Jays, will be along. We've got to talk about Gabriel Marina. We'll mm. take a look at the Jays' minor league system, some of the prospects heading into the offseason. Gabriel Marino is ripping up the Arizona Fall yeah. League. And maybe, Kevin, will kind of <clears> – <throat> maybe we will get an answer as to – and I'm not criticizing anybody for this, but – we know that Gabriel Moreno was taking some ground balls at third base last mm-hmm. year, played some third base last. We got to figure out what's up with that. And, and, and maybe Joe can give us an idea. Yeah. How much stock they put in performance at that Arizona fall league. I was in that. I'm pretty sure I raked in that. I, I'm, I'm not exactly. stole bats from Jeff Jenkins. I did not steal them. He, we bet that he, who was going to hit more homers in that league. And he did. And I've, I've yet to give him back to him because you've seen his deals. Yeah, he had bigger deals than I had. He can buy his own bats or yeah. get them get them for free, and I wasn't going to do that, you know. So it's I, that that's the thing is how, how much stock will, will that <clears throat> will that tell the Blue Jays? Okay, he's ready mechanically, pitch uh, pitch awareness, plate awareness, all the things that go into being a big leaguer. Will that help? That's the question I'm going to ask, and I'm interested to hear the answer. Mentioned by the way as well that uh, 
you can subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcatcher. And that way, whenever we are doing anything, poof, it'll be in your device. You'll be able to know. You like baseball. You like the Blue Jays. You could argue. Probably no better place to go than to us. That's uh, that's a little egotistical on your part. But I, uh, every I'm once not, in a while, I'm not disagreeing. You got a two, too. There has to be a dig me moment every now and then. It's rare. That is. First podcast, by the way, will drop on Sunday. Did you know that? I did not know. <laughs> well, that. now that's you know. That's the first I've heard of it. And then Barker's going to go. I'm always the last one to know. Then Barker's going to go off and. Uh, that's not true. Enjoy Before some. You're going to enjoy. Well, some. I get to see my father. You get to see, I, I exactly. see my father. I couldn't tell you when the last time I well, saw I'm, him. So I'll be very interested to see how he's doing. I FaceTime all the time. He brags about the Braves. And I told you so. You should have went on and said the Braves in mm-hmm. six. You didn't look like a genius. Uh, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see him. I, at some point, I'm going to bail off the Winnipeg to visit my mother who's 97. Uh, wow. I got to get my booster first, though. Because yeah. it's Manitoba and the numbers in Manitoba, and she lives in that part of Manitoba where the vaccination numbers aren't great. Um, so, yeah, so I'll probably have to wait and get my booster. And then if I don't grow a third head from it or a second head from it, I'll jump in the plane and away my I dad, go. My dad got it. it he's, I saw him I'm not worried two, about two days ago. He didn't have an extra head. Looked the same. I put, listen, I put way worse stuff into my body over 62. Trust me. Trust me. I put way worse stuff. Yeah. And if I haven't grown a second head yet, I ain't not going to do it as a result right. of a booster shot. 416-870-0590, star 590 Get in on the conversation. Kevin, we'll get it started. Um, we know that Mark Shapiro will sit down with the Rogers board at some point this month and get his payroll parameters for the off season. I don't know. I, he may have already done it. I don't know. I just remember him saying back in October that it was going to be next month. And now it's next month. Uh, Mark has said that he expects an increase in payroll. Um, we know also that on December 1st at 11 59 PM, the, Current collective bargaining agreement expires. There is a chance at that point that baseball will enact a transaction freeze until a new CBA is is decided or is negotiated. But there's, by my math, that still leaves us about three weeks to get some business done. Sunday is the deadline for qualifying, uh, for extending qualifying offers to free agents. We assume the Jays will do that with... Robbie Ray and Marcus Simeon, no idea yet as to whether or not Steven Matz would get one. But I'll ask you this, Kevin, as we go into the offseason, what to you, and this is the same question we're asking our listeners, what are your priorities for this team? Give me a couple of, of priorities. Quality pitching. I have one priority. If the Braves uh, told anybody anything that if you have good pitching and you have some guys that are that can get hot all at the same time, they can run through a good lineup. That's what the Blue Jays need. The, the what-ifs for me have to be taken care of. What 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 if there's no Jordan Romano? What if there's Tim Mesa comes back and it's not the same Tim Mesa? What-ifs? You need to take care of those what-ifs. You need to add a couple of more you know decent starters. I'm not saying you have to have number ones, but get you some quality depth there. Maybe the Michael Walkers of the, of the world. Who else you got there? You, you you could run through like a Garrett Richards. Just, you know, somebody that's been there and done it before that can get around Petey that, you know, you, you're not going to miss a beat that can give you a chance to win games most of the time. Those are that, – that for me, you know, we, we've talked about the Jose Ramirez thing. If you're the Guardians, why in, in – why would you ever think about trading him and just let somebody just backed up a truck – and and wanted to dump their entire minor league system at him to get him. I just don't see why you'd do it. You're, they're they're getting Shane Bieber back. Hopefully he'll be. And that division's the worst division in baseball. And if you're the Guardians, you have to ask yourself: Could you win the worst division in baseball without Jose Ramirez? Probably not. So why would you even think about trading him? So I don't, I'm not sure that's realistic. So for me, if you can do it, obviously you do it. But for for me, priority. Hey, Ross is watching the World Series. He sees what the Braves did. The Braves won the World Series because of their pitching. 
and they're, uh, that, that pitching kept them in it long enough so the offense could run into couple. That's why. That's why they won it. And if I'm Ross, I'm sitting around, I'm going, okay, I take care of what ifs. With the already team that I already have, I got a real good chance at the American Leagues, where the Yankees are at, where the Red Sox are at, the Rays are the Rays. But with who I have as my core, if I can add some pitching, take care of the what ifs, I got a good chance of not only winning the East, but going deeper into the playoffs. Yeah, I... I mean, my first, I, I thought about, obviously, the easy thing, the easy answer to say is, is pitching. And I'm not criticizing you for saying that. The Jays, especially if they don't bring Robbie Ray back, uh, are going to need another starter. And they're going to have to figure out what uh, what they have with, with, with Nate Pearson. Um, I think they know already. But I also think that the Braves showed us one thing, and that is you need to have a little bit of variety in your lineup. And Eno Saris of The Athletic wrote an interesting article breaking down the Braves lineup and, and, and the three additions that Alex Anthopoulos made in Jorge Soler, Adam Duvall, and Eddie Rosari. And if you look at their the heat graphs for those three hitters, they are all different hitters in terms of areas they cover where they prefer pitches. They're not the same guy. And to me, one of the things we saw with the Blue Jays, and it's something that I think was really apparent with the Astros in the postseason. If you have a team of too many similar hitters in a playoff series and the Jays need to be fo- the Jays ought to try the the Jays should be winning the East this year. That's the goal, is to win the East and to go to the playoffs. The goal is to win two or three more games, win the division, go to the playoffs, period. That's the goal. I think this team needs to have a little bit more variety in their lineup. And that means, I'm not saying you need to add everybody who can draw base on balls. You need some more walks. You need some left-handedness in your lineup, whether it is as a result of a switch hitter or a a left-handed hitter. You need some left-handedness into this lineup. You just need some different guys. It's not simply a matter of left and right. You need different type of hitters. I have repeated time and again, there is a reason the Blue Jays wanted to add Michael Brantley in the offseason. They do not have, they got good hitters, but they don't have anybody who profiles like Michael Bradley or Michael Brantley. Brantley. That was sorely missed in this lineup. So I think you're going to see this team pay particular attention to how the lineup is constructed. And it gets a little more complicated, obviously, if Marcus Semyon doesn't come back, because now you're looking at replacing a guy who was a seven-war player, basically, for you this year. The Jays, though, they've got ways of addressing this. They need a third baseman. They need an everyday third baseman. If you want to play Santiago Espinal and Kevin Biggio at second base, if you want to bring somebody else in, there's some by-low guys like a Cesar Hernandez whose option was just declined. You want to bring him in as a, as a, as a second baseman. There are ways of squaring that second base circle. They need to... Add some variety to that lineup. And the first place they can do it is at third base, whether that's through a trade or free agency. Now, the flip side of that is if you want to add more variety to your lineup through a trade, if you look at this lineup, who would you trade in order to get a deal done? the obvious candidates are Randall Gritchick. We talk about Alejandro Kirk. Some of the projections in Alejandro Kirk next year have him, and these are all projections, but like steamer zips in these things, they project him to be one of the best offensive catchers in baseball next year. Again, these are just projections, but quite often they're, they are, they can be accurate. But Alejandro Kirk, Randall Gritchick, and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. are probably guys you would consider moving because you've got some cover for Kirk. You've got Gabriel Marino. At some point, he's going to be your everyday catcher. Danny Jansen's going to be your everyday catcher next year. Randall Gritchick, you can find somebody else to do what Randall Gritchick does for you. And Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is cheap. He's good. 
He's become one of my favorite players on the team. He's exactly the type of guy you may have to move in order to get a deal for a guy like Jose Ramirez. So there are all these these factors. Uh, I'm with you on pitching, but you know what? Pitching is always an issue. Every year, every team seeds says we need pitching, whether it's starting pitching or relieving. There is never going to be. There will never be a time where a general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays will be able to look at you and say, you know, we don't need any pitching this offseason. Mm-hmm. We got all our pitching. That, that's never going to happen. But I think we need to move beyond that, beyond simply saying pitching, 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 and saying, okay, how do you make this lineup better? And it's got to be smart. It's got to be analytically driven. But to me, it, it is an absolute, an absolute necessity. Even if you were bringing Marcus Semyon back, even if he comes back, you still need to vary your lineup. That was the lesson I saw with the Braves. Yeah, I guess it's it's I, for me. I think it's uh, it'll be a lot harder for them to go out and get. Now you could get Kyle Seager, Kyle Seager enough at third base to to mix up some righties to get a lefty in there. He's got some power. He's an older guy. He's gonna play decent defense. He's a good teammate. I mean, there are good a couple the of guys. You know, there are a couple. There, there are a uh, lot Conforto, of ways. Conforto's another guy, but that puts a ton of pressure on people like Guillermo Martinez to figure out how to. You know, Conforto had a, a pull issue. He's pulling everything. Coming to a different, coming to a different, uh, the American League, not the National League. Come to the American League East. You know the shorter ballparks that might help. But can he let the ball travel a little bit more? Use the other way. He's had that's yeah. He he's had he's had one really bad year. That happened to be, and it wasn't a really bad year. It wasn't a great year, but he still drew a lot of base on balls. He he is something the Jays don't have a selective left-handed bat. He's certainly no. It doesn't degrade your defense to have him in the outfield. He's a platoon player with Lourdes. If, if he comes here, he's not playing well, right I, because I, I would the think, Oscar. He's I, not playing center. He'll platoon in left field if they don't trade Lourdes. That's where he'll play. So is he, is, would he be – no, obviously he'll go where he gets the most no, money. No, see, see, I disagree with you on that. I think what he is – I think Michael Conforto is this year's Marcus Semien. He'll take Whoa. a one-year contract for as much money as he can get. Yeah and go into free agency next year. Because next year's free agent class is not going to be spectacular. It's not as good as this. So I, this is, looking at how the Jays have done things, they've had a lot of success with guys who've signed one-year contracts as a way of building up their value. And there are a bunch of guys that fall into that category here. Noah Syndergaard. I'm I'm not certain I'd want to go there, but Noah Syndergaard's a guy like that. Michael Conforto is definitely a guy like that. A guy who would probably take one year at a qualifying offer. And much like Marcus Semyon, go to a team. If you're Michael Conforto, there is no point in going to the Cincinnati Reds to try to play up your value. There's no point in going to Cleveland to try to play up your value, even if you're going to get 600 plate appearances or whatever. But if you go to Toronto, where you can be in the middle of a lineup with Teoscar and Vladdy and Bo and Curiel, now you're talking. And you're going to be seen all the time. And you're going to be seen all the time. Yeah. Now you're talking. And I, I think there are guys that will be looking at Marcus Semyon and go, Phew. Marcus, Marcus Semyon went from a guy who couldn't get a multi-year contract to a guy who's probably going to get five years and $25 million from somebody this year. And I'm, if I'm a guy like Michael Conforto, I'm scratching my head and going, man, that may be where I want to go. Yeah, I think we can meet in the middle and say if they're going to win the American League East and they're going to go deeper into the playoffs, they're going to need both. That They need a left-handed hitter. They need... What ifs coming out of the pen? They need a couple of more starters. Uh, Ross is going to have his hands full in the offseason. That's the point here, and it's about quality now. It's not about just filling arms and and you know getting depth. No, it's the quality of the depth. Yeah, you, it's it's a, it's about winning now, right? Well, as as as, as Mark Shapiro said, whether or not they sign Robbie Ray and or Marcus Simeon, team's got to be better next. Year. Absolutely. So it, it just doesn't matter. So if you don't sign those two guys, you got to figure out a way to squeeze an extra two or three wins out of your lineup. Now, healthy George Springer probably gives you some of that commodity. But if you lose Marcus Semyon and Robbie Ray, it's a lot of war. It's a lot of wins above replacement. You got you, you to replace that someplace. Are you going to sign one guy who's going to gobble up all of what Marcus Semyon gave you last year? I don't think so. But again, healthy George Springer, Maybe you don't go and get that guy who replaces Marcus Semyon at the gate. Maybe you trade for Matt Chapman and add somebody else at second base. Or maybe you get a guy like Eduardo Escobar. Here's some. Maybe you get Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor 
is a free agent. Yeah, Chris Taylor can play every day at second base. He's for a Swiss you. Army knife. Yeah, it is. It's the can he play third every single you day? Don't that, need, that's the thing. Is yeah. The, well, that's what you're looking for. Maybe the second base you can fill that spot. Chris Taylor, with the guys you already have. I got to do better than Chris. I got it. Chris Taylor defensively is a much better second baseman than he is a third baseman. If you're going to sign Chris Taylor to a four year contract. I don't want Chris Taylor playing third base for me in the third or fourth year. How about of that you deal? get Conforto, Seager, and do the what ifs out of the pen? That's what you're trying to do. You try and get bulk. I'd be fine with of that. that. You have a, a couple of lefties that you can throw in there when you have to throw in there offensively. Kev, let's also th- right now, right now, right now the bullpen is in better shape than it was last year. Not I, even close. I'm with you. I'm Romano, Mesa, Simba, Rogers. That's no a good argu- start. There's no argument with that. But what if one of the main ones goes yeah, down? But, what if Tim Mesa comes back and stinks? Which could happen. Well, yeah, it could happen. But you, you're not going to go out. You're not necessarily going to go out and get cover for four all, all your relievers. I'm not saying you. you I don't want to see this team. I don't want to see this team that. spend but two. I don't want to see this team spend thirty million dollars on four mediocre relievers. I don't want that. Now, if you want to go out and get a Get a big arm, get a race of Iglesias or something like that. That's fine. But I, I, I just, I need to see something different out of this lineup. They cannot come back with the same lineup in Santiago Espinal as their starting third baseman. If, if, if they want to platoon Espinal and, and Biggio at second, fine. But I need more power out of that spot. And I, and I, need, to, I need to move one of those outfielders. Frankly, I need to move Randall Gritchick. And if I have to suck up money to throw him in, if I have to suck up half his salary to throw him in in a deal to get something done, I got no problem doing that. You I'll, may need to try to find a number three starter, too. Hyunjin Ryu, do you have any idea what you're going to get from him? But you, these are all, of course, you've got to do all these things. Yeah, but, there's but a lot. Th- to me, I don't want this team to focus just on pitching and overlook the lineup. I'm with you. I really don't. 416-870-0590, star 591-888-666-0590. Frank and Stony Creek, what are your wants? What are your needs? What are your desires for the Toronto Blue Jays going into 2022? Hey, good morning, guys. So, I mean, this is going to be an interesting offseason because the CBA is going to play a huge role on what happens through via trade and free agency. But theoretically... I mean, you, you said it. The Jays just need to get better. You know, the expectation this year was competitive baseball in September, and they did it. But starting next year, the expectations are going to continue to increase, and it's the division. And, yeah, I, I'd like to see Ray, Semyon. Uh, you know, Jose Ramirez is obviously at the top of everyone's list, and I, I really hope they could pull that off. But there is a way that fans need to realize that if those guys don't come back and we can't get Jose Ramirez – there are many ways that this team can get better next year. So the needs are they definitely need to add to the pitching. I like Alcantara and the Marlins. Something tells me like a Lourdes Gurriel going that way. I mean, I don't want to part with him, but I feel like maybe going after a pitcher, you know, could tell Marte is the guy that comes to mind. I think that's another uh, trade uh, candidate. And, you know, they just need a third baseman. And if they go and get a guy like Chris Bryan, they want to go spend $25, $30 million, they can do it. If go get a Seager to play third base, that's fine. Then they put the money towards another position. Yeah. You know, they're at a point right now where they have assets still to give up. And, you know, no one's untouchable. Yeah, Morano, Martinez, they're untouchable until they're not. You know, right. you just, you can't, you can't clean the cupboard. You got to be smart with everything. And they got the financial flexibility. So, I mean, they're in the best position again this year. If fans like last offseason getting Springer and Semi and all this happening – it's going to be a repeat this year. And especially if they could find anyone on short-term deals before the kids get expensive. Heck, I could see them going to a $200 million payroll, maybe not consistently for the next five, six years, but heck, why not push it if they're on one-year deals this year? And that's where Steven Matz comes in. I don't mind giving him a qualifying offer. I could promise you right now, if he accepts a qualifying offer, that $18 million will not stop the team from spending and doing what they want it to do. No, that 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 so, is that that's really well said, and yeah. I'm I'm with you completely on that. The Stephen Matz people are going to look at that and go, "Boy, that's a lot of money to give Stephen Matz." That's not the right way to look at it. The right way to look at it is if we don't give Stephen Matz that money, are we going to be able to replace what Stephen Matz gave us? Uh, you, you, you're absolutely right. It's not going to stop you. One year at eighteen million dollars isn't going to stop you from doing anything long term with this team. One thing to keep in mind, though, is this team. You know, they do have to address Jose Barrios at some point. But I want to go back to something you said, Frank, a little earlier about the CBA. And I, and I think people need to be clear about this. Uh, I don't think the CBA 
is going to have much of an impact on free agents. Because whatever happens with CBA negotiations, when baseball starts next year, Marcus Semyon's going to be making $25 million a year. Like the idea that the free agent market is going to crater because of a new CBA isn't going to happen. Where it gets interesting is if, yeah, as, but, but, as but, part yeah. of the horse trading, all of a sudden players become free agents after five years instead of six. So now if you're the Blue Jays, all of a sudden your clock with Vladdy and Bo has been pushed ahead by a year. That's, that is the most important thing from a Blue Jays point of view is when the new CBA is done, what is it going to mean for our own guys, for Vladdy, for Bo, for Teoscar, and to a certain degree for Jose Barrios? Free agents are going to be free agents. It's the other aspect of the CBA that could really, frankly, it could really throw a spanner in the works for the Blue Jays. Hundred percent is go ahead, right? Frank. And like, yeah, you know, you, you nailed it right there because I mean, let's say they come back and they say, you know, forget this service time. Let's just say twenty-five years old, you're a free agent. Well, now you got to look at the roster. Who's twenty-five? Who's, mm-hmm. who's pushing it? That could become a free agent. And then all teams are going to experience this. But one thing though, you got to keep in mind though, Jeff, is you're hundred percent right on the semi. He's still going to get paid. But where the CBA can have an effect on it is. Is he signing that contract in November or is he signing on the eve of spring training? Now that's where it's going to get interesting. And that's where it can have an effect. We have all these free agents leading up to spring training and who's signing for what? And, you know, everyone's going to end up getting paid. It's not like guys are going to be like, you know, Jay should go after him, give him a three-year deal. No, this guy's worth six years. He's not going to cut it in half, but it will affect it because it's pushing everyone to the end. And, And no one wants to go into spring training, not, having all your questions answered or close to it, right? Yeah. No, that, that's, that, that's a great point, and, and thanks for the call. And the other thing to keep in mind, too, is um, players don't get paid until the season starts, but if you do sign a free agent contract early, theoretically at least, you get your signing bonus up front. Mm-hmm. So you would be able to get some money, not that these guys are running around and necessarily going to be yeah, the, calling their bank the, for loans. The CBA thing is going to put a little bit more pressure if it's drawn out like that, at least for me anyway. M- more on owners to pony up a little bit more money, a little bit quicker. Uh, it's going to put a lot of pressure on GMs, too, to make the right moves, be better salesmen, getting that player that all the other teams are all trying to get all at the same time. How, how are they going to do that? That'll be sort of an interesting thing, too, but I'm with you. I think Ross has to do it when Ross has to do it. If that if that's as, – as soon as they can do it, they have to do it for me. 416-870-0590, star 590, 1-888-666-0590. Jeff Passon joins us in a few minutes. Mark and Markham, what's up? What are your wants, needs, desires for the Blue Jays this winter? First of all, both of you do a very good job with the Thank you. with the show. And, uh, you know, as a fan of baseball, I, I find some, more so than all the statistical and all the possibilities, I, I find some insights in the game, like your conversation about the Braves and the Hammer and, you know, even your top hand and bottom hand, where they hit the ball, those are, those are excellent insights. So I'd like you to see a little more history things. Mm-hmm. From the Jays' perspective, I I am a huge fan of, of baseball. I want a new stadium, and mm-hmm. I don't understand why we're stalled here. So if you, you know, if you could start the ball rolling on this with uh, with your fan base and everything, I mean, I, I just don't understand why a world-class city like us, we have to suffer through this terrible stadium. We should have an open-air, natural grass stadium. And I think the fan base would be, you know, just re-energized again. And it's just great for the city. But uh, anyway, those yeah. are my comments. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about it. I appreciate that. We'll talk about the stadium. Look, I, I've said that, that that's it's, it's the thing nobody wants to talk about. Mm-hmm. But it's very much a thing. It's an old stadium. I, I can't put it any other way. It is open air. You know, people talk about an open air stadium. Whatever stadium you build in Toronto is going to have a roof. I mean, it is. It's going to have a retractable roof. It it, it just is. So that's, it is an open-air stadium. I know what you mean. You're thinking of something a little more historic, uh, something that kind of marries the best aspects of Camden Yards with a with an enclosed stadium, something like Houston or something like Seattle. That's, that's what you're going to get eventually. You're not, I, I hope you don't have an open-air stadium because nobody nobody wants to freeze their ass off in April and May watching a bit i mean they just don't so that we'll say that about that it'll 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 have a roof look it's 
Probably going to cost between $750 million to a $1 billion to build a new stadium. Uh, Mark Shapiro, when he took over this, this gig, that was one of the things he came here to do. It's not on his plate anymore. Um, he is the CEO of the Blue Jays and the Rogers Center, but that the planning around the stadium has been brought in-house by Rogers. So what you have is a publicly traded company whose main business isn't baseball, uh, a publicly traded company that is looking at trying to figure out a way to have to build a new stadium. The logical thing is there's two things. One, you build on the site of the Rogers Center, and you do it in a manner that allows you to play while you're rebuilding the stadium. Sounds odd. It's been done. The other thing is putting a stadium down in the Portlands or around the waterfront. It's just me talking. I think whatever happens has to be part of a real estate play. It has to involve condos, public use areas. It's not, you're not just simply going to see a stadium plop down here and nothing else around it. It's going to have to be part of a broader picture. Mm -hmm. Me talking. I think you need to have the stadium located in another area. I do too. And I think by the water, I just, that, that's just me. I'm, believe me, no great insight from anybody other than talking to people and kind of sussing out. Some folks around the city have thought about, I mean, I'll tell you, there, you know, there were reports out there that at some point, Scotiabank is going to be sold and a new arena is going to be built out yeah. around, Ontario, around Ontario Place. People have talked about that. That's not a big surprise. That's what you hear when you go out and about. So there's a lot of this stuff going on. But you're right, at some point, at some point, the city needs not just a refurbished stadium, but a new stadium. What? And I just got to say this about natural grass. Let's end this discussion. There will never be natural grass at the Rogers Center because there's no drainage. So don't ever mention natural grass again. If anybody tells you they should put natural grass in the Rogers Center, tell them to take a hike. It will not happen. It was never going to happen. What do you think COVID's done to the timeline of a new stadium? If anything, it... If anything, it should push it up a bit because when we do come out of this, there may be an appetite for big projects, for building things, for creating jobs. Maybe I'm looking at it from an optimistic point of view. Jeff Passan is ESPN's MLB insider. He's one of our favorites. He'll join us in a few minutes. You're listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. All right, just to clarify, we were talking about a new possible new stadium for Toronto. Uh, when I was talking about the Portlands, I know there's an area specifically referred to as the Portlands, and anywhere on the lakefront, I think, is basically what Parker and I were talking about. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Willis of the Globe Mail wrote a story a couple of months ago about it that the stadium and, and it's uh, uh, yeah. the stadium would be developed. Is a partnership between Rogers and Brookfield Asset Management. You, I, we talked about this with with Brent. You can find the story online, but that's uh, that story kind of sums up where we are right now in terms of discussion on on a new stadium. So I would direct your attention to that to that story. Uh, it's something we're gonna. It's something we will talk about. It, we'll have to talk about once we fully emerge from the pandemic because it's something that was talked about before the pandemic. I, even though people plug their ears and don't want to hear it, you know, it is. Very much a, tar- a uh, talking point. Uh, Jeff Passan joins us. He's ESPN's MLB insider. Mr. Passan, you are uh, you are you are now officially you are now officially my daughter's favorite baseball writer because you dug up a piece of news at the end of the World Series that uh, had her and her uh, friends and her roommates uh, all all a Twitter, and that was the fact that Jock Peterson had sent an autographed jersey to Harry Styles. And so my, my daughter just thought this is the coolest thing. So, and she's not a huge baseball fan, I, but she is a big, she, she thought this is great. All, Harry, anything with Harry Styles in it is guaranteed to get their attention. So well done. You, you have, you have written Jeff many a story in your life and you know, there's that moment when you get an anecdote that mm-hmm. is so good 
and that you know is going to resonate with people. And when I heard the anecdote about Jock Peterson sending Harry Styles a jersey with a note that said, from one bad bitch to another, love Jock Peterson. Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be true so badly. (laughs) And, and, and after, so, you know, after the world series ends, I'm doing TV and I'm scrambling and I can't find Jock Peterson. And finally emerging from the dugout is Jock Peterson because his poor wife lost a tennis bracelet on the field. (laughs) And, and as Jock Peterson is looking around amid all of this shiny confetti, I, I go up to him like, is it true that you sent a note to Harry Styles where you said from one bad bitch to another? And he's got this little grin on his face like, yeah. And, and right then and there, I was like, yes, that I've is got the, the story. That's I've the best the story. But I know. That's the best story oh, out of the so World good. Series. It's a great, it's it a great crossover. So Barker, is, Barker thinks that... It, Harry Styles, unless he plays for the Kentucky Headhunters, Barker's not interested in <laughs> in Harry Styles. Um, by the way, we should mention that Alex Anthopoulos will be at, in the Braves World Series parade today. Good for him. But he will be in a car with his family, isolated from everybody else. So I, I don't know. There. I, re- I sent a text to him, and I said, are, are they got a separate route for you as well? I got no response. I got no response. But I said, what, is this, is this a separate route? Is it going to be a Pultmobile thing where you'll be able to stand up and wave to your adoring crowd? Um, hey, you know, this is a copycat game, right? Is there anything that came out of the World Series, Jeff, that you will think will have the game's deep thinkers and front offices going, yeah, we got to do more of this because Atlanta did this and it really worked? You know, it's funny you say that. I don't know if my story's up quite yet, but I wrote a story late last night, and I asked the question, what did, what did we learn from the Braves winning it all? And the answer was, men should not be afraid to wear pearls. <laughs> and then I said, and aside from that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read my own stuff here, and I wrote this at about 4 a.m., so if it's bad. Um, it won't be bad. Blame the, Diet Mountain. Blame the Diet Mountain Dew. I said, don't be afraid to upgrade. The Braves were not good in mid-July and not any better after the July 30th deadline. And then, just like that, they took off. Yes, they had a good foundation in place. And, yes, they were underachieving. But any 500 team with a positive run differential and a star or two in place has zero excuse, especially if the playoffs expand, not to improve its team. While nobody could have prophesied Alex Anthopoulos going five for five on trades, it illustrates that a championship does not necessarily cost big bucks at the deadline, just some intelligence, guile, and luck. That is really well said, and I'll tell you what, if you go back and listen to every interview Alex Anthopoulos has done in the past two months, count the number of times he mentions run differential as coming in, as being part of his thought process. My one takeaway... God's honest truth, I'm going to pay more attention to run differential. I'm not saying that it's a be-all and end-all, but I'm going to pay more attention to it as a result of this. Yeah. I mean, it just, listen, it makes sense. But, like, Pythagorean record has been around in baseball for a while now, and teams look at it like, okay, if we're outscoring our opponents and losing more often than we're winning, that's probably going to change because we are – outscoring our opponents Mm -hmm. and and listen there's some things that make a big difference there for example your record in one run games which almost always is tied to your bullpen if you have a really good bullpen you can outplay your run differential it's what seattle did all season long and you know with paul seawall the drew second rider sort of uh overachieving and kendall graveman being this guy that no one thought that he was um, so, so there are ways around a bad run differential, but generally speaking, teams with bad run differentials and good records regress to the mean, and teams with good refer- uh, good run differentials and bad records regress positively to the mean, and that that's what happened with the Braves. But to think that there would be a championship out of this, I mean. Man, I, I, I was a big fan of the Braves all season long, just in terms of the talent they had, and I did not see this coming. 
Yeah, it never hurts to be in the same division with the Mets and the Phillies. You can't get out of their own way. That 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 always helps too. They're, they're, you know, the 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 Braves weren't in the American League East. Eighty eight wins. They had a little you know, lenience there when it comes to you can stink for 111 games and all of a sudden yep. the switch comes on because the Mets and the Phillies can't get out of their own way. But let's stop talking about those. The people that listen to this show a lot have something to do with the Blue Jays. And, you know, it last couple of years it's been the George Springer thing. Can they make a big splash? Can they bring in that big-time guy? Do you see any of that this offseason, will there be one of those guys that maybe we're not talking about that maybe the Blue Jays can go after? I don't know. Doesn't it feel like the likelier thing that they're going to do is bring back either Simeon or Ray? I don't know. Does it feel that way? I, I think they've got, I think they would like to bring back one of them i i honestly don't know if they i don't think they this this is going to sound everybody loves marcus Semyon, but i think if you push those guys to the wall and said okay you got to choose one of the two who would be easier to replace as much as i love marcus Semyon, i I could probably find two guys that give me six war or 6.1 war and i'd probably go with robbie ray because i'm just i'm not going to get another robbie ray i'm not signing I mean, the, to my yeah. way of thinking, the best free agent starter out there, the one I'd be willing to invest money in is Marcus Stroman, and I just can't see him coming back here. So that's yeah. the way I'd look at it. I, I I think everything you just said makes sense. I also honestly think Marcus Simeon's going to have a bigger market mm-hmm. than Robbie Ray. But it's going to be interesting to see where exactly their agents set that market. Now, uh, for those who don't know, Marcus Simeon is now represented by Scott Boris, and Scott Boris quite often sets very high early expectations on guys. Is there a chance that Marcus Simeon's market collapses and that he could fall right back into the loving and willing hands of the Toronto Blue Jays? I suppose so. But I do believe that the because of his versatility, uh, because of the, the season that he just had, the market for Simeon is going to be extremely strong and strong to the point where we're, we're talking dollars in excess of George Springer. And I, I just don't see the Blue Jays paying excess of Springer for Simeon. Okay. Ray, on the other hand, is, is a guy who does have some warts and those warts are his past. And, and the question of, whether he is going to become the Robbie Ray of the past or if he is a brand new man. I know he thrived under Pete Walker. I know he enjoyed pitching with Pete Walker. And a big part of me wonders if the appeal of that and the appeal of of joining a rotation that, let's be honest, could be really freaking good this year – and a lineup that even without Marcus Simeon could be really freaking good this year, and of winning a championship in Toronto, which, guys, I think is a genuine possibility at this point. I think the Blue Jays are in a place where they are in their championship window right now, and they need to go out and be aggressive and get championship-caliber players and Frankly, Robbie Ray last year showed he was one of those guys, and and the fit there makes a ton of sense. Okay, I need to get your gut feeling on this. We talk about Jose Ramirez all the time. You just talked about the Braves, that division they're in. You look at the Guardians, that division they play in is winnable. You get you get the Beebs back. You know, you keep Jose Ramirez. Other than a team yeah, just backing they're, up they're, their they're farm not, they're, season, they're not they're not winning. They're they're not winning that division. They're not. They, they, I. I think they are – go ahead and ask your question. I'm sorry. I interrupted. Well, that no, no you're, so, you're sort of getting to this right here. I, any chance that some team goes but other than backing up the farm system? Because that's basically what it would take is a couple of your big-time guys in your farm system and maybe one or two big leaguers. Does any team – you? oh, well, throw the Blue Jays. Blue Jays willing to do that, and would the Guardians be willing to give him up? That's the big question. Uh, are you trading uh, Gabriel Moreno in that deal? I would. Well, you have Mark Shapiro on here. He said in his career as a president, nobody that he's ever had in his minor league system has been untouchable. I would think 
in the Blue Jays organization, that's the one guy. That's uh, If you want to say untouchable, that would be the one guy, but everybody else wouldn't be. Well, I, I think the first thing that's going to happen is that Cleveland and Ramirez are going to have conversations about a long-term extension. I, I anticipate that happening at some point. If those do not go well, and, and frankly, they should go well, um, because Ramirez has been quite underpaid for for the entirety of his career, and and signed a, an extremely under market extension. And if you're Cleveland, he's the kind of guy that you want to keep around long term. You want him to be there for the entirety of his career. But if not, the Blue Jays are in a good position if they're willing to to move their top guys. I think you have to include Moreno in that deal. Um, if not, are, are you willing to put Aurelis, uh Martinez in there? And if not, then you're not getting him. It's going to be one of those two guys, and I think Moreno is really going to be the focus if, in fact, the Blue Jays were to go after him. And, look, uh, I understand Moreno has a chance to be a super-duper star, so you probably don't trade a guy like that. But if you're looking to win a championship and you can add someone like Ramirez, who is an all-world player at at an extremely cheap salary, you got to consider doing that. You really do. I mean, everything else is in place right now. Uh, to, To me, you have so much talent and your window is right now that it's something you really would have to consider as good as Moreno looks. Jeff, last question before I let you scoot. Uh, Obviously the CBA is going to be uh, front of mind now. Uh, Do you think that there will be, uh, will there be some free agents that sign ahead of the CBA ahead of a potential hiring freeze? You think there will be? Yes, I do. I think there are going to be two different markets. I think there's going to be the pre-lockout market and the post-lockout market. And I think the pre-lockout market is going to be guys who want guarantees, guys who want the burden hand. Um, I don't think it's going to be any of the big-name players, but I could see Freddie Freeman, for example, signing before the new basic agreement because mm-hmm. he's he's not the he's not the sort of player who's – whose market is going to be demonstrably affected by that. He, he's a total is what he is guy. He's a first baseman who's already in his thirties and who is tied uh, inextricably to one organization. And he, he wants what's fair. And I think what's fair is probably Paul Goldschmidt plus mm-hmm. and after, and he should get it. And I think he will get it. Yep. But beyond that, I I don't see any of the big name guys signing beforehand. I think they're just waiting to uh, to understand what this landscape is going to look like after the new collective bargaining agreements in place. Jeff, really good of you to do this. Really appreciate your insight this year. Thanks so much, my friend. Be well, and uh, we will be in touch. Thanks a lot. Uh, look forward to it, boys, and congratulations uh, on another year of fantastic talk radio you guys are great and i always do enjoy coming on with you thanks very much jeff we love having you on take care jeff pass an mlb insider Mm. with espn he had the scoop on harry styles atlanta has a atlanta has like a sports curse had a sports curse and harry styles show in atlanta had a braves jersey said hey braves are gonna win harry styles is a big deal oh yeah (laughs) he's a big deal Mm -hmm. i'm telling you he's a big deal a great he, showman. He, he didn't give a ton of clarity to the Jose Ramirez thing. Well, I think he didn't. But I think he's right. I, I think if you're Cleveland, you have that discussion before you do anything. You say, "Is there a chance that, that you want to stay here?" If Jose Ramirez says, "I like it here," then you go, "Okay, let's try to get it done." Uh, I look, <laughs> take a look at what Jose Ramirez is, and ask yourself: Is there if you if you're a Blue Jays fan, is there a better fit for your team right now on the planet? The answer is no. I guarantee you the Cleveland Guardians know that he's a perfect fit for the Blue Jays as well. This is me talking. 
I'm not giving up Gabriel Moreno. I would give you a Relvis Martinez, but then if we're going to do that, you either, one, have to give me something else back. I'll take Cal Quantrill. Or two, you may want to take Randall Gritchick as well. I'll do that. If I'm going to give you one of my best prospects, I know I'm getting your guy in return, but only got him for two years, definitely. If I'm going to do that, then you got to take some money. There's a little bit of that, too. When he comes here, you know you have to re-sign him, or you're really going to try and re-sign him. That's the reason why you're giving up top prospects. All those other guys, you got to re-sign, too. Yeah, but see, I, I, I think if you bring Jose Ramirez here, you got him for two years, we can have the re-sign discussion next in 2023 we don't need to have it in 2022 we don't need to have it in well we're already having it about Barrios. the reason why we're that's having it different. is because we gave up well not we the blue jays gave up top yeah. prospects that's why topper that's a little different well, prospects mm, well the, in the organization no, wise gabriel marino's better minor leaguer than austin martin uh, they're on. minor leaguers every sport has their big juicy controversy boxing has the mike tyson ear bite cycling has lance armstrong Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.